0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: I had a conference call this morning with a whole bunch of folks. And as I looked around at all of them, was, it was a coach from Indiana. It was someone who's uh, connected to the Seahawks. It was someone who's big on on the Vikings. And I was like, how is it possible that the Bears fan is the only happy person here But I am. We got a W. Fitz's Raiders got a W. You're going to have a happy pair of hosts tonight here on Spain and Fitz. If you want to be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation, you can join us on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. College football is back, and so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserved. As I mentioned, Fitz is going to join me in about an hour. We'll break down the Bears and the Raiders getting those W's, some other big takeaways from Week 2 in the NFL. But I want to start with the biggest bounce backs because we last week spent a lot of time asking you all to tell us who needs a W most in Week 2 and who's most likely to get one based on their opponents. One of those big ones is tonight. Monday Night Football tonight is a big one because even though Aaron Rodgers has won seven straight Monday night football matchups. He had, I believe, the worst QBR of anyone last week. Just looked disastrous. They have a great opportunity against the Lions to get things back on track. And if they don't, it's going to be messy in Green Bay. So we got to wait for that one. But we got a couple. And one was the Bills. Not only did Josh Allen have a a decent performance, a little inconsistent, but not bad, but the defense showed up against Miami. Not only did they knock Tua Valoa out with the rib injury, one of several injuries to quarterbacks we'll get into tonight, but they made things really tough on Jacoby Brissett. They just hit from all areas. Pressure on the quarterback, six sacks, 11 QB hits, takeaways, three picks in the game. Um, You've got just... A a much better team effort from the Bills, handing an ugly and embarrassing shutout to the Dolphins. They took the lead in the first quarter, marching down the field. Got a little ugly after that, and again, like I said, Josh Allen a little bit inconsistent, not having as much luck downfield as we got used to last year. So still some question marks for some people about just how good he looked in that MVP-type season and whether he can retain that or whether some other teams are starting to figure him out. But through two games, one thing that stood out, and I saw um, our ESPN.com writer Getzenberg pointed this out as well, he has only completed six of his 14 passes intended for Emmanuel Sanders. So going to keep an eye on, on, on his relationship, his connection with his receivers, but the Bills get the W. It's a complete game where they absolutely handed them their butts and everybody feels a lot better about the Bills today. Same with the Titans. It's Spain and Fitz, by the way. Solo Spain for an hour on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. The Titans needed a win as well. Not only did they lose last week, but they looked completely inept. Uh, Finally, Ryan Tannehill and Julio Jones seemed to figure some stuff out. Six times that they connected, eight targets. uh, Six of those they they made work for 128 yards. And this was a battle against a Seahawks team that— you know, still had those big breakaway opportunities. Tyler Lockett had that 50-plus yard gain in the first quarter, had a 63-yard touchdown in the second. So still some questions about the deep ball and the Titans secondary. But it was enough in the end for them to get a win. And they were not one of the teams that I said was likely to get that win this week. I said this is a bad scene for the Titans to have such a rough start because they're facing a tough Seahawks team, and they're probably going to go 0-2. So big, big opportunity that the Titans got there, some officiating questions. There were many of those yesterday. But as far as the books are concerned, Titans got the W and they really needed it. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. We're talking about the biggest bounce backs and surprises in week two of the NFL. You know, I don't know how this is even possible, but somehow the Vikings, in my mind, and only in my mind, because I can guarantee you no one is finding any silver lining or solace in that game yesterday, but in my mind... It was sort of moral victory territory because I thought the Vikings looked so bad that for them to push the Cardinals in a 34-33 loss, to have the opportunity to win that game if that kick goes, oh, that's more than I expected. I expected Kyler Murray to be running around all over the field, torching the Vikings and making him look silly, which by the way, he did. But then Kirk Cousins on the other side looked much better than I expected. So the Vikings are in an 0-2 hole. And they're facing next week Russell Wilson, who obviously the Seahawks won a big win after that heartbreaking loss to the Titans, but also extremely mobile quarterback who can crush you if your defense isn't ready. And so to go Kyler Murray and watch him, torture him, and now have to face Russ next week, this could be a very, very ugly start. Uh, Our own Courtney Cronin looking up on ESPN Stats and Info, 50 of 59 teams in the Super Bowl era starting the season with two losses on the road have missed the playoffs. Not a good start for the Vikings. I know moral victory sounds strange when you lose in such heartbreaking fashion. Nobody in Minnesota is thinking about that, but I will say they looked better than I thought they would against what I think is a good Cardinals team. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I am not finding the silver lining for the Saints. Oh boy. And this is why I kept saying, and I am not trying to underestimate the opportunity for Jameis Winston to figure some stuff out under Sean Payton, but... Man, when people were saying last, well, he's going to be a top 10 quarterback in the league. All he needed was to get to Sean Payton and then get LASIK surgery. He wasn't blind, everybody. If he had bad enough eyes that you could blame the 30 pick season on them, they would have figured something out before the LASIK. So I'm not saying this is the end all be all on him either. We're going to find out over the course of the season, which Winston it is week one or week two. But I'll tell you that week one, so much of their offense came off the run. And the Panthers absolutely shut that down yesterday. Winston was the leading rusher with 19 yards. And without being able to get the run going, he could not get the offense going otherwise. Now, the Saints were down eight coaches. But they had their opportunities. The defense blocked that punt. They got a pick, set them up. They put them in position and the offense could not do it. Listen to these numbers, 128 net offensive yards for the Saints, by far the fewest ever for a Peyton coached Saints team. New low standard by almost 50 yards. They only managed six first downs. That's also a new low for the Saints under Sean Peyton. They're 2.98 yards per play, also the worst in the Sean Peyton era. And the first time he coached a team and they failed to gain at least three yards per play. Jameis Winston's 26.9 woof. Passer rating, his lowest single-game score as a starting QB. So again, this isn't it, but maybe last week wasn't either. Maybe everyone's just slow their roll a little bit on Sean Payton being the hero who can take a guy who has always had the physical ability but has not had it upstairs. Gotta, gotta wait a little longer and see what this is going to look like with Jameis taking over for the Saints at that position. Through the two games of this team, the Saints wide receiver core as a whole has just 11 catches for 164 yards and a big chunk of that came on one 55-yard touchdown catch for Deontay Harrison week one. So keep an eye on what looked and sounded great because of that woeful effort from the Packers might not be quite as much as you expected. Finally, I'm going to get to the Raiders, but I'm going to wait for Fitz to come around because I want to ask him if he's as surprised as I am about their 2-0 start. He didn't pick them this week. He went against his heart. And guess what? He's probably pretty happy to have been wrong. But we'll talk about the Raiders being one of my surprises as well once Fitz can join in the conversation. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Guest going to join me on the Goodyear Hotline. Coming up, I'm going to get into a team that has surprised us with their 2-0 start. ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Some Broncos talk. Next.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast.
1: to be joined now by a player whose team is flying high 2-0 and to start the season. Denver Broncos guard Dalton Reisner. Dalton, thanks for the time.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Yeah, congrats on the start. You get two quarterbacks that you make life very difficult for as a team. Daniel Jones struggling. Trevor Lawrence couldn't find his way. And you get off to that 2-0 start. On your side, you have to get used to a new quarterback as well. Uh, what have you made of Teddy Bridgewater so far in transitioning into working with him?
2: He's done an extremely good job. You know, my hat goes off to the quarterbacks that we've played so far this NFL uh, game that we play is very tough and you're expected to come in and perform right away. And if you don't perform, people start shaking their heads instantly. So those guys will come along. They'll be just fine. Uh, When it comes to Teddy, uh, very blessed, very thankful to have him on our football team. He's a veteran off the field. He's a veteran on the field. He knows how to control the huddle. He, He sits in the pocket. He's been around the game for a long time. You know, he understands it. He understands defenses Um, So it's great. As an offensive line, we love blocking for him. I think one thing that he does so well is that he extends football plays. Um, When he might be in a bad position, he might have a free rusher, whatever it may be, he makes something out of nothing uh, out there on the football field. So for us as an offensive line, we love that. We love blocking for the guy. Um, And he's just a good person as well. So I can't say enough good things about having Teddy as QB1.
1: Yeah, he's a guy that's only 29. It's just he's he's had multiple lives, right? Because of the injuries and the different teams, you feel like he's older than that, but just 29. So he could be the future here for you guys. 77% of his passes completed for 592 yards and four touchdowns just in the first two games. Uh really fun. As a as a as a player when you're working with different quarterbacks and there have been a number of different quarterbacks in in, in Denver. Uh, what do you start with? Do you start by talking football or anything but when you're getting to know a guy?
2: Uh, you know, it kind of just comes with the game. You know, you, we have so many requirements as football players. We're going to be at practice. You're going to have to talk about football. You're going to get thrown into it, whether that's throughout OTAs and preseason games and into the season, all those camp practices, you name it. We're going to be on the field playing a lot of football together, and we're going to be doing that most of our days. So talking about football is going to come naturally. We're going to be there. And as you talk about football and get to know him as a quarterback and how to block as an offensive lineman and how your offense is meshing together, you continue to get to know the players you're working with. So that off the field, getting to know him as a person, and getting to know Teddy Bridgewater, that comes naturally from just playing football with him. You're in the locker room after. You're going to meetings after. You're talking about certain looks that you were given. He shows up to offensive line dinners that we go to. So it's just the cool part about football. It brings people from all different areas that are completely different from each other. It brings us all together for one common purpose, and that's to win as a football team. So I'd say that the, getting to know the quarterback and talking about football, it all kind of meshes together and just works out pretty smooth.
1: Dalton Reisner, the guard for the Broncos is with me here on Spain and fits on the Goodyear hotline. So we know that you're able to score touchdowns. You had a big guy touchdown <laughs> in the preseason. You were really fired up about it. She said, I got to, I got to save this score sheet. That's got, that's got my touch on it. I am a Bears fan. And a couple years ago, Matt Nagy was making the league turn heads because he kept finding creative and different ways to get guys involved. And you knew that. I mean, that team talked about which guy might get tapped on the shoulder and brought into a meeting to talk about being a part of the offensive plan. Is there any chance that's happening? Because I believe that was when Vic Fangio was with the Bears working with Nagy. Maybe maybe there's a shot there. (laughs)
2: i sure hope i sure hope maybe you know only being in year three i'm gonna have to make sure i continue to pay my dues and earn my credit to get plays like that you know especially because it was one of those plays you know actually my rookie year um if you follow my career very much um i was playing the packers down there at lambeau field and my running back kind of got hit on the goal line yeah three guys on him and i ended up grabbing him and tossing him in the end zone so I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to count that as touchdown number one. Yeah, half one at least. (laughs) (laughs) At least a half, right? And then against the the, the Seahawks, uh, it was a goal line situation where he kind of just gets clogged up in the hole and we made eye contact. He kind of gifted me the ball we'll call it a fumble because I think that's the only legal way I could have scored and I just kind of snatched the ball and literally had to run like two inches to get in the the, the end zone so I want to say that I'm a running back or anything like that but (laughs) I do like to play heads up football and get my team in the end zone however I can.
1: All right. Well, just remember the, the place that, that they that they ran in Chicago was called Santa Slay. Maybe slide it, write it on a note, slide it on over to Vic. See see if he's got a memory of it and wants to give it a shot with the Broncos. A Denver Broncos guard Dal- Dalton Reisner is here with me on Spain and Finch. You can follow him at Dalton underscore Reisner sixty six on Twitter. You've got this upcoming Reisner up night, up all night at the Children's Museum. Is this uh, like the movie night at the museum?
2: <laughs> hey, that would be pretty neat. I have never <laughs> been to the Children's Museum, but when we get there, I think it's going to be pretty cool. I hope that everything comes to life and it's a huge party. But anyways, I appreciate you asking about it. Um, for my foundation, for those of you who don't know, it's called the Riser Up Foundation. You can find that at riserup.org. I've always been a believer that this whole football thing is pretty darn cool, but that's not the reason I'm down here on earth. I think I have a much higher purpose than that. In fact, I want to use this football this cool football thing that I get to be a part of called the NFL um, to make sure I have a platform to really impact people's lives. That could be kids, that can be people my age or even adults. It it doesn't matter. I just want to make an impact with the position that I have um, with the NFL. And that's exactly what we're doing next Monday night, September 27th at the Children's Museum, is going to have a big night for the Rise Up Foundation to highlight a lot of organizations we work with, a lot of kids that I'm so proud of, kids that have fought cancer, beat cancer, or are in remission of cancer, or Special Olympic athletes, whether that's from Colorado, Kansas, or globally. It's just going to be a great night to get everyone together and let everyone know what the Riders Rout Foundation has been up to and what we're striving to do in the future.
1: That's awesome. Love to hear about it. It Actually sounds super fun. Uh, Like he said, everybody can go check it out at ReisnerUp.org. There's more information on the night at the museum. Denver Broncos guard Dalton Reisner with me here on Spain and Fitz. So you got the Jets coming up. And again, I know that you're not allowed to say you're looking past it. Everyone's going to call it a trap game when you're starting off so well, but you've got some really tough matchups after that in the Ravens the Steelers the Raiders how do you keep your focus on this rookie QB and this Jets team knowing that you've got those winning teams coming up shortly
2: you know I, I'm a big believer that in the NFL it, it, at any given Sunday it doesn't matter the team that you're playing you I mean, we saw that last year we were kind of one of those teams that struggled we went five and eleven last season and we're playing the Chiefs at their place you know, midway through the season, a Super Bowl contending team, and we're up on them the whole game until the last quarter um, where they edged beat us by three or four points, I believe. So as I've learned in the NFL, any given Sunday can be any yeah. team's choice. So I, I don't care what anyone said about the two teams we've played. I am dang proud that we went on the road all the way to the East Coast and we won two football games because um, we could be sitting here talking about how we did it. So I'm proud to be 2-0. and Yes, we have another team coming to town that is 0-2 and they've had their struggles but they're an NFL football team full of talent and they can play well. So we got to go out and make sure we get that win. And then we got to continue just taking it one week at a time. And, and if we continue to do that, I think we're going to have a heck of a season. Um, so I don't know who we play next week. I have no idea. I know we have the Jets here at home on Sunday and that's all that matters
1: now. All right. I won't spoil it for you then. You can find it on Google though. Uh, we're running out of time, <laughs> okay. Dalton. I want to ask you quickly on a Monday night like this, are you watching the game? Are you watching the Manning brothers talk about the game? Or are you forgetting about football for the night?
2: You know, it's one of those deals where I'm so busy, you know, you have life things, you know, when it gets to to Wednesday, really even before that, but Wednesday through Sunday is strictly football. There's no time for anything It's football, everything. So when you get a little time off on Monday, we were at practice earlier today, you know, we had our meetings, we had our lift, we had all of that our treatment. Um, Tomorrow's our day off. It's going to be a lot of to-do list stuff. Got to take care of the house, got to pay the bills, got to hang out with the fiance and all that good stuff. So there's a lot of other life things going on, but I'm sure I'll turn Monday night football on and have it on the background tonight for sure.
1: Yeah, but that's how you do it. You get the stuff done during the day so that you can be lazy at night and flip the TV on. Maybe, maybe go to Home Depot. Don't know if y'all have enough time though. Uh, Dalton, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us. Good luck with the event and congrats on the start of the season.
2: Yep. Thank you so much. God bless and Go Broncos.
1: Denver Broncos guard Dalton Reisner with me here on Spade and Fitz brought to you by Goodyear with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear. More driven. Speaking of that Monday night game, we are going to do a segment with both sides telling us what their team is looking for tonight. We've got two teams coming in hot looking for a W. One's going to have a whole lot more heat on them if they don't get the win tonight. Packers, Lions, and NFC North Showdown. Monday night spotlight is coming up next on Spain and Fitz.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: That's right. We got a big nfc north showdown monday night football tonight don't forget you can catch the manning brothers chatting throughout the game with a bunch of guests on espn too while you watch it's spain and Fitz solo spain for the first hour here on espn radio the espn app SiriusXM xm channel 80 we're presented by progressive insurance and we've got the monday night spotlight
3: the rest of monday night is given over to those gargantuan goliaths
0: of the gridiron. Setting the scene for another Monday Night Football showdown. That bouncing, behemoth ballet, known better as professional football. Here's the Monday Night Spotlight on Spain and Fitz.
1: The Monday Night Football Preview is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. We're going to split it tonight between two representatives of the teams playing. We're going to start with Jason Wilde from The Athletic. You can also hear him on ESPN Milwaukee. Wildy and Tausch, I believe Tausch is going to be filling in, hosting on Freddie and Fitzsimmons right here on ESPN Radio after this show tonight. Wilde, thanks for the time. Uh, the outcome of tonight's game will decide whether people in Green Bay are willing to let Aaron Rodgers say R-E-L-A-X around the start to the season or whether everybody goes into full panic mode. Has it been a little bit panicky in Green Bay so far the last week or so?
4: Yeah, Sir, it hasn't been in the building. I think there are fans that do feel that, though, and as much as Rodgers even referenced the 2014 R-E-L-A-X line during the week, But he didn't use it. Uh, I think it's just one game has been his mantra on this. And it was a terrible game. They played like garbage and himself included. But I really do think that their feeling is is that that is going to be the outlier and the anomaly. And they have been really, really good after losing a game under Matt LaFleur. They've yet to lose back-to-back games. When they lost three games last year, the following week, Rodgers had four touchdown passes and no interceptions in each of those games after losses.
1: You know, I, I feel like I always use the first couple weeks to get to know a team, and I'm already confounded by the Saints team that was completely shut down yesterday but managed to manhandle the Packers. Did watching the Saints yesterday make you feel any differently about that Packers loss?
4: Yeah, it, it, uh, confounded is a great word, Sarah. I, I don't know what to make of it either. I've always tried to say that there is no transitive property right in football. So just because team A beats team B and then team B loses to team C, I, but it was very strange to see that outcome. And so, look, this is a this is a Packers team that obviously had the drama of the uncertainty of Aaron Rodgers during the offseason, but he reported on time, he went through the entirety of training camp. They didn't do anything in preseason in terms of their offense on the field in games, but they felt really good about it and then it played the way it did defensively they have a new coordinator a new scheme their biggest star has a mysterious back injury that has landed him on injured reserve that happened to coincide with his unhappiness with his contract so there's some strife on that side of the wall I think they just felt like from the outside looking in a distracted team and I think even Aaron Rodgers admitted after the game last Sunday that they needed a kick in the you know what and that game certainly provided it for them we'll see how they use it tonight.
1: Jason Wildey from The Athletic, one last quick question for you here about tonight's Monday night football game between the Packers and the Lions. I know it's easy to say they got to fix everything. Everything sucked last week. Is there something specific that the they either admitted to or that you saw that's the number one thing that they have to make sure they fix tonight?
4: Yeah, absolutely, and it's running the football and staying committed to the run. And not only to get production from the run, But this was the number one offense, and Aaron Rodgers was the number one passer in the league on play action. They need that aspect of their game. They need it to get Devontae Adams open. They need it so they can attack two high-safety looks. They need to run the ball to set up their play-action passing game. They didn't run the ball, and thus they didn't do it in the game last week.
1: Awesome stuff. Enjoyed the game tonight.
4: All right, Sarah, thanks.
1: Jason Weldy from The Athletic here on the Goodyear Hotline on Spain and Fitz Joining us now, ESPN Lions reporter Eric Woodyard for the other side of the deal. Eric, watching the Packers get absolutely destroyed last week must have given the Lions a little bit of something to look at. So have they talked about, or are you able to look at what the Saints did in that game that the Lions can try to recreate?
5: Oh, yeah, for sure. you got to look ahead at Coach Dan Campbell. I mean, that's where he was at before he got to Detroit. He was in New Orleans, so, you know, he was around Sean he, he saw that 38-3. Beatdown that they gave, you know, Green Bay. But with that being said, he's also aware how dangerous he compared it to like, you know, they touched the hive a little bit. Not, not a horn is to come out. So yeah, right. they noticed how physical they were. Um, you know, they they he said they challenged the receivers up front. They really uh, were, were very physical on that side of the ball, and that's what he noticed. And uh, he, he expects this team to be completely different. So it was, it was only so much he could take from that. But yeah, he was out in New Orleans. He was out with Sean Payton. So. He understands the game plan i think you might try to you might see him try to do a little bit of that if
4: possible.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, right? You don't necessarily want to face a Packers team that's already desperate for a win in Week 2, and yet that's where Green Bay is against the Lions tonight. It's Spain and Fitz, Solo Spain, talking to Eric Wood, your ESPN Lions reporter. What did they take away from Week 1? They, they, they were actually pretty good offensively. Jared Goff wasn't bad, finished in the top five of the NFL in completions, passing yards, and passing, passing touchdowns. But they didn't get that W, so what's the big thing that they need to change to, to change the outcome?
5: I think the stats were just a little bit misleading. You know, Jared Goff started off struggling a little bit, you know, really um completing passes downfield over five yard. He was one for seven through the first and third quarter. In the third in the fourth quarter, he turned around. He completed eight for thirteen passes. So I, I wanna see how, you know, he's able to connect downfield. It doesn't help a lot that, you know, there's receivers a lot of them are no hand guys and he's without Tyrell Williams this week who has a concussion. So he'll be leaning on some guys, some young guys to kinda, you know, push them up. But um, definitely, I think the Lions, they're, they're going to have to you know, rely on him with that deep ball a little bit. Um, I think some guys to watch out for is the rookie, Amarok St. Brown, Trinity Dixon is another guy they brought in, and the, the running backs are great catchers, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, so uh, it's a lot to clean up, but I think, you know, I did admire the fight that they had. They could have easily given up, and some people might, on the other side, they might say that San Francisco was up so much, and they turned off the gas, while other others might look at it like this Lions team fought to the end, which wasn't the case a lot of games last year, so it's it's a lot it's only so much you can take from game one this is a whole new game for both teams but I'm interested to see how it goes I really am
1: Spain and Fitz talking to ESPN Lions reporter Eric Woodyard Kevin Clark wrote a great piece for the ringer about the Dan Campbell experience in Detroit what's your experience been this guy who gives these sometimes ridiculous sound bites but uh, might be the right personality for this city
5: Detroit, I've said this before, it's really a Detroit versus everybody mentality. Nobody wants to have somebody come in 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 a city like Detroit and be artificial. They want somebody to be authentic, and I think he's been himself. Has it been funny sometimes? Has it been humorous from a media perspective? Yes, it has. Because He gives us something to work with every day, but I I seriously think this guy is who he says he is. He connects with players. Um, I think he's really trying to change it around. He's trying to become what the Green Bay Packers are, and it's going to take a while. I don't think he'll be this year. But I really think players respond responding well and I think his, he's very genuine in what he says. Every interaction I've seen has been genuine. But, yeah, he will, he will jump off the cliff and say some funny stuff, which is fun for us in the media, but I feel like it's genuinely authentic. So it's went over well with a lot of the Lions fans. And, you know, he, he definitely has a strong fan base here that's going to support him. Knowledge uh, is just starting to have a winning product, and I think nobody expects him to do it this year. Uh, he just, they just want to see a competitive team.
1: Last question for you. There's some injuries here at the wide receiver group. Also, you mentioned Swift, who is maybe questionable but is going to go. What do you make of this offense having to work with the loss of, uh, of Okuda and then and then Tyrell Williams and then Swift being hobbled?
5: Yeah, it's already tough, as I said before. It's almost <laughs> like Sun Pickens at that position. That's one of the weaker positions within the group. But as I mentioned before, it'll be a big opportunity for these young guys. The guy I'll be watching is i Ross St. Brown be facing off against his brother I, I had a chance to sit down with him and his family this week we had lunch and he's he's ready to go he's motivated and out of his brother's actually actually active i think that's going to motivate him a little bit more his mom and dad will be in the stands i talked to his dad john earlier this week and you know he, he's super excited this is what he prepped his kids for when they were kids and he had them lifting PVC pipes in the garage at six or seven mm-hmm. years old you know what i mean so this, this the moment they've been waiting for and i think he can step up he will have a bigger role and uh, other than that, the wide receiver position is is a weak spot for the Lions, though. So even if they were at full strength, it would be something I would be worried about.
1: But Swift, as far as you're concerned, might still be able to be as effective as he was last week, despite that groin.
5: Yes, for sure. I think I think what, what what's the difference between this year's Lions team is in the past historically, it hasn't they haven't been a great rushing team. So most of the teams within the division that's played the Lions haven't been used to them having a ground attack. Not only with Swift, but with Williams. You know, when you got two guys that can run and catch. That gives this Lion team a whole other dimension, and I don't think a lot of teams are accustomed to. So, yeah, Swift is going to get he's going to get catches, and Williams is going to get catches. But you see how they did in week one, and I think they'll be able to carry that over in a week two. That's one of the bright spots of the team. And uh, yeah, I'll be looking for those guys to, to, to be key contributors today.
1: Awesome stuff, Eric. Thanks for the insight, and enjoy the game tonight.
5: I appreciate your first time in Atlanta. I'm trying, trying to have a great time today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Enjoy. ESPN Thanks. Lions reporter Eric Woodyard here on Spain & Fitz. Solo Spain tonight. He's brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Another couple minutes with me before Fitz joins the party. Coming up, I'm going to talk about QB injuries and a very weird thing that happened in Matt Nagy's press conference today.
0: Spain & Fitz, the podcast.
1: It's a victory Monday for both halves of Spain and Fitz, so we'll talk a little Raiders, Bears, do some uh, good take, hot take. Also, could have been worse. you had a bad weekend, we found some people who definitely had it worse. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, and it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. The straight talk after this weekend, beyond the results of the games, was this was a rough one for a bunch of quarterbacks. Uh, just injuries left and right. I was really thankful to see that uh, Baker Mayfield went back in. He tried to make a tackle after a pick, and I thought he was gone for a while. That arm looked absolutely useless, but he came back in. Not so for a handful of other quarterbacks, one of whom was Tyrod Taylor, and he has already been ruled out for their upcoming game on Thursday. It's a short turnaround, so that's part of it. But the fact that they already know that this hamstring injury is going to keep him out is not a good sign. Could be up to four weeks. And it's not Deshaun Watson who's coming in as the backup there for the Texans. Here's Field Yates on primetime talking about that.
6: I think Deshaun is, honestly, until further notice, and this might be a long, long time, Deshaun Watson, the football conversation is not a football conversation. Shouldn't he be worried about yeah. football right now? Don't think so. Okay. Yep. I don't cool. think so. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong, and I could have this one very much misread, but I tend to think that Deshaun Watson is a long ways away from being either traded or playing on a football field
1: yeah, that is a very complicated situation, but he remains not on the roster, not active. Uh, and David, Davis Mills uh, filled in for Taylor and will do so on Thursday as well while Taylor recoups that hamstring. That's one of those guys, Sarad Taylor, that I just wanted to have a clean year. Any of those guys, Wentz, you know, uh, Bridgewater, anybody who's lost a lot of time to injuries, it's a real bummer when they are out again. And Wentz, again, finds himself injured somehow managed to sprain both ankles on the same play. Uh, and I know a lot of people have some fun with the guy. A lot of people have very strong opinions about him. I just think it sucks when your body can't can't make it for you. Um, he had big expectations for a fresh start here. So did that Colts team that now finds himself in a real tough position to start this season. So I'm just never going to laugh at a guy who's injury-prone. Uh, unless you're skipping workouts or not paying attention to nutrition and otherwise that people are telling you to, then it's not your fault. It's bad luck or it's it's bad kinetic chain, but spraining both ankles on the same play. Is there a more terrible way to get sidelined again if you're a guy with chronic injuries? Uh, yeah, that, that's an ugly one for Carson Wentz and uh, no timetable yet for his return. A um, lot of hot takes about you know, when he should be back and how much he has to work to be back, even if he shouldn't go back in, we'll get to those later in the show. Talking about the quarterback injuries, um, Andy Dalton also, uh, out for a stretch, tried to come back in, uh, was a knee injury. At first we thought it was an ankle tweak. turns out it was a knee. The early returns are that it's not an ACL, uh, and there's a chance potentially for him to be back sooner rather than later. Uh, it, it was interesting to hear Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach, talk about Andy Dalton's status as a starter or not talk about it, as the case may be.
6: We'll have to be prepared when we, when we find out exactly what's going on with Andy is is uh, understand, OK, is he able to go? Um, is he not able to go? Work through all that stuff. Because. For us, you got a guy that's been in the league playing quarterback for a long time, and you got a guy that's never had an NFL start. So we'll have to work through that, which we will, and that gives us time tonight to be able to do that, and that's what we'll do, you know, just kind of keep it that way.
5: If Andy's healthy, is he your starter?
6: If Andy is healthy, is he your starter? Uh, that's something that I'm not going to get into with scheme.
1: That's not scheme.
6: Of course it is. That, that's, that's 100% scheme, Brad. I
1: don't know if it is. I think it's more personnel. Who will be running the scheme? Uh, Weirdly enough, about five minutes after that news conference where he said scheme was the reason he couldn't uh, give up that information about Dalton, the Bears sent a team official back to the media room to announce that Dalton is, in fact, still the starting quarterback if he's healthy. They said that he misunderstood the question. Not really sure how you misunderstand if Andy is healthy. Is he your starter? But I've just been confused about some of the communication in general from the Bears. I agree with them if they think that Justin Fields isn't quite ready. And I'm fine with Andy Dalton being the starter if that's the reason why. And what we saw from Fields was a very mixed bag yesterday. There were some throws that I was extremely fired up about. There were some hustle plays with his legs. There was a general swagger and attitude and confidence that I was really into. He also had a bunch of false starts because he couldn't figure out his body language. And he couldn't figure out how to get the snaps off. He also had a bad pick. He, he, you know, he's, he's a guy that's clearly learning. And when the Bears said that and they talked about some of the just procedural logistical stuff that he needed to figure out before going in, I believed it then and I still believe it after watching some of the miscues. And then just say that, right? I, I, the, the, this, this weird relationship between Matt Nagy and, and the media when it comes to this whole Danny Dalton thing, I, I, I am not wanting to believe that it's about that QB1 promise that they made. But today's weird interaction has me wondering if there's something to that. It's Spain and Fitz, Solo Spain, for the first hour here, talking about the injured quarterbacks. Uh, We'll get into some more, uh, I think, of that, because I want to ask Fitz his take, and I think Alex Smith had some smart things to say about that um, and and what we saw from Zach Wilson, right, in terms of, like, do you hold a guy back if he's not ready or throw him out there? But there are some other injuries to get to quickly. One of them is, of course, Tua Tungvaloa, who is now considered day-to-day with a rib injury, Dolphins head coach Brian Flores saying that he might still go, that he might be quote unquote tough enough to be able to get back in there. So we'll keep an eye on Tua, but those quarterback injuries, um, and and then, you know, watching Jacoby Brissett come in and struggle so much in replacement. Not that Tua was that effective. I mean, this was a beatdown for the Dolphins start to finish, but um there's gonna be a lot of question marks around those quarterbacks and and whether they have the ability to come back uh, sooner rather than later. And, and again, there's certain guys that you just want to see have a clean year. And uh, Tua is one of them after what went down at the college level as well. It's Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Um, one thing I wanted to, wanted to get into, and, and I guess I'll get into it now here, is is what Ryan Clark said. Uh, more funny than it was necessarily uh, the analysis that I agree with, But he was talking about Nagy being so dedicated to the narrative around Justin Fields that the only thing that could push him off of it was an act of God should have been
6: Justin Fields two weeks ago, and now we've gotten to a point where God has done what God normally does, which is protect babies and fools, right? (laughs) And Matt Nagy has been a fool, and it's okay, right? Matt Nagy wanted to do this a certain way. Well, now circumstances have have worked it out, so now you don't have to make a decision. You don't have to pull Andy Dalton. You can keep the promise that you gave him in the offseason, and now Justin Fields, who is going to make mistakes, right? We saw the interception. He's going to make mistakes, but he's going to make plays, too, and he's going to make plays that you can't coach. He's gonna be the things that you wanted Mitchell Trubisky to be for you that he couldn't. And I think Justin Fields can do that. And the one thing I left yesterday or when I watched the film was, you know what? Dude is fearless. Right there, there isn't a throw that he doesn't believe he can't he can't make because he can make them all.
1: Yeah, the fearlessness is great. The confidence is great. I don't know if it was necessarily an act of God that saved the fool Matt Nagy from his decision making. Think there's pretty good reason to say that Andy Dalton might actually truly be giving them a better chance to win, at least early in that game. Really efficient, marching down the field before the injury. So um this will continue to be a hot topic. Um and, you know, Fitz is gonna have something to say about the injury to his quarterback too. Came back in for that win, but will there be question marks about how that manifests over the course of the week as they prep for the next game? We'll get into all of that. It's gonna be victory Monday here. We're also gonna do good take, hot take. We've got somebody at our network here, already wanting to replace Russell Wilson with a young QB. And we've got some folks who uh, are, are ready to sing the praises of the new Patriots quarterback as well. We'll get into all that coming up in the next hour here on Spain and Fitz.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: It's Spain and Fitz. Happy Monday night. ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain here. Jason Fitz is going to join me in just a couple minutes. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. And as the NFL season gets underway, make sure you're ready for kickoff with TuneIn, the app that lets you listen to live games, in-depth analysis, and tailored content for your team all season long. Plus, with ESPN Radio on TuneIn, you can listen to comprehensive football coverage from NFL Live, fantasy-focused football, and more, all to fuel your football fandom. Download the TuneIn app today to start listening everywhere you go. That thing has been clutch for me in bars before I had a weird hotel where the ESPN audio wasn't working, but the rest was just point your phone at it and you got it. Tune in is awesome. Uh, Fitz is going to join us. We're going to have a little celebration about our Bears and Raiders getting some W's. But quickly, last night's game Oh, boy. I'm I, I uh, glad I DVR'd it. I watched the Emmys and then I stayed up late and watched the whole game straight because it was that good. And a lot of takes afterwards, so many takes beforehand about Patrick Mahomes has never lost in September, known, never thrown a pick in September. Well, those aren't true anymore. Lamar Jackson, you know, he could beat all the other players, but he's not. He's something about this team, this Chiefs team. They've got his number. Not anymore. Uh, this one came down to the last second and all sorts of aggressive play calling and Tim Hasselbeck has it nailed to our ESPN NFL analyst on the blueprint that the Ravens showed the rest of the league.
6: Two weeks into the season, I think we've seen two teams with a really good formula to take it to the Kansas city chiefs. Now you don't just, you know, try to eat up clock and run the football. You can't do that. You still have to outscore them. Mm-hmm. That being said, being patient and continuing to pound the football has proven to have some success through two weeks of the season. And it's been a problem for Kansas city.
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, you do have to have an unbelievably talented quarterback the likes of which we've never seen before that can make those kind of moves and plays that evade everything and have a run offense that can aggressively pound the ball on the ground, but still make those plays and keep it moving. So it's a game plan. I don't know how many other teams can pull it off. Fitz is here, Jason Fitz. We're going to get to our victories in just a minute, Jason, but listen with me to this Dan Orlovsky on Keyshawn Jay Will and Max this morning talking about what he saw from Lamar last night.
6: The most impressive part of the performance for me with with Lamar was the mental resolve. We've watched Lamar be special talent-wise and have incredible plays, but the, going into the game, the way it starts, the pick six, and then the interception again going into the red zone to Teron Matthew, you're like, man, this is tough. But the mental resolve to just keep going ahead was the thing that, I don't know if we've seen that from Lamar. We've seen that competitive spirit against Seattle a couple years ago on the road, but the ability just to stay in the moment. And then I loved Harbaugh, and I know the, the, the moment went viral when he was like, hey, you want to go for it? You know, like I say to my kids all the time, don't ask me questions you know the answer to. Harbaugh knew what Lamar was going to say, but in that moment he's kind of like empowering him, like, hey, this is your moment, this is your team. And he knew Lamar would say, yeah, let's go for it. So um, he was the best player on the football field last night.
1: Yeah. He also said today that he was maybe just trying to remind himself that it was worth going forward. He needed a little bit of backup on that one. Fitz, I agree with Dan, especially in the idea that there's been so much little nitpicky criticism of Lamar for any number of things. And one of those was that narrative about getting behind. There were any number of times during this game where you say, oh no, man, you can't get down double digits to the Chiefs and come back. Oh man, you can't, you know, have two picks from Teron Matthew and come back. And despite all that, The the Ravens got the win.
3: Yeah, and I totally agree with you. I think there's such an element of control to what we saw from Lamar last night in control of the game, control of the moment, understanding – sort of where he was, and, and even control of his body. One thing that I think has stood out to me after two weeks of watching him is right now he's slipperier than ever. He's just so hard to get a hand on, and so he knows he's the best athlete on the field, and he's playing like it 99% of the time. So, yes, to, your, to the point both of you made, Dan and you, I think that was a huge moment. And last night was the elimination of the yeah, but for Lamar. Whatever we think of Lamar, we can take away the but on the can't beat the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, that's the only one I was willing to really talk about because it was legit. I feel like we give a lot of airtime to the people say stuff about Lamar. And I think a lot of those people are no longer saying it. We've seen him win a playoff game. We've seen him (laughs) throw the ball. We've seen him run. We've seen him do all this stuff. Now that we've seen this Chiefs win, there's not a whole lot that we need to waste our time asking if Lamar can do it. He can do it. Almost all of it. It's Spain and Fitz. Fitz is here, which means it's a victory Monday! (laughs) They're down. Chicago Bears it was an ugly win and I'm gonna celebrate anyway They're still counting the standings that's right and the Raiders 2-0 and with a big win your Raiders got Ben Roethlisberger to do this after the game
3: right now
5: my play's just not good enough I, I, if I play better we can we have a chance to win the football game and so that that uh that loss I'll take that I apologize to the fans um for that home opener they were awesome and uh it's disappointing that, that we didn't get that
1: You made him apologize to his fans. That's how bad he felt. And
3: and look, you know that I haven't been high coming coming into the season on Ben, but I honestly don't think a lot of that was on him. I mean – uh, the Raiders defensive line was all over him from the get-go, from the, outstar, uh, from the outset, and the, the secondary did a really nice job in coverage. Like, I just think the Raiders defense played better than anybody, in myself especially, in, in expected. I, I thought it was a really good effort by Vegas, top to bottom, and 2-0 and o feels different. I've seen some 2-0s. It feels different the way they played the last couple of, uh, couple of weeks.
1: I completely agree with you. You feeling okay about the injuries to Carr and otherwise?
3: No. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I will say I stood the whole game. I don't know why I stood the whole game, but I stood Just, in my house alone for okay. the whole game. And, okay. uh, it was, was it the thing. Uh,
1: Woodson whiskey that was. <laughs> no, no. I, I I had the sips of the.
3: <laughs> little, little Woodson whiskey pregame, and then I drank water and ate healthy food the entire game. Oh. It's a new me, right? So I, I, I guess
1: I, you have to do that every weekend now, yeah, otherwise I, it's bad luck for the Raiders, just I, I, carrots I, and water.
3: You know, I had like six games going on at once, and the Raiders on the main screen, and I look back and Annabelle's just laying on the couch, like, thank you for setting this up for me, so I stood, <laughs> and then I felt like I couldn't sit. The only time I sat was when Derek Carr was injured on the ground, and I just sat mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm not ready for this, so yeah. uh, we'll see how that plays out moving forward.
1: Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, both celebrating victories for our team. Some question marks for both of our teams. Uh, Yeah, following up on Carr, following up on Dalton and Fields, lots to talk about. But no questions for the Bucs. It's pretty unfair, to be honest. (laughs) Their ninth straight win, including the postseason, while scoring 30 or more points. The only other team to have done that twice, close to that, was brady's patriots with eight games so he's passed his own record with this team and the scariest word you could hear out of his mouth to the rest of the league team only scratching the surface
7: what i think and i'm sure the other guys feel the same way is i think we could do better i really do and i, th- I think we have the opportunity The the way that the games are flowing and the opportunities we're getting with the ball we have even more opportunities so been a little loose with the ball some penalties at different times that have, that have uh, you know, knocked us out of some scoring drives. You know, some missed throws that I've had, some misreads. Um Certainly wish I had made a few better throws tonight. Um, but, again, good to get the win, 2-0. And there's a lot to build on. You know, just good to, to beat a division opponent.
1: Yeah, yeah, good win. Good uh, uh. millionth win in a row by tons of points. Where you start to think anything you saw last year that we thought might have been aging – was the injury that he got surgery for in the offseason and getting used to a new system and a new team because he looks stronger, he looks better, he and Gronk are doing their thing. I mean, it's wild. That's the part watch of it this. that
3: like, really hit me too watching yesterday. Gronk looks unreal mm. right now. it's just
1: I think it's the weed testing. It, I'm not even saying that to be funny. Like, the guy talked about how much in pain he was after the Patriots, and then they stopped, and then he started endorsing weed. And then he, they stopped testing for it. I, I don't know. I mean, is that.
3: Uh, it would make sense. I'd never thought right? of it until you just mentioned it, but it, it would make sense. I, I'm really curious to see next week. The Rams, you know, Tampa has to go to L.A. to take on the Rams. That's a game that finally I think we, we get a real test against a, a very good defense. So I'll be interested to see what they look like. But right now, Tampa Bay is just firing all. Uh, it, it looks easy for them, which is uh, unfortunate for the rest of us.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Coming up, if you had a bad weekend, remember, could have been worse.
3: Spain
0: and Fitz, the podcast.
1: I had a great weekend. My Bears won. I was very productive. I didn't have a hangover at all. Randomly ended up with a fourth dog in the house for a while. That's a story for another time. Ruffy. Ruffy is the dog's name. Uh, But some people didn't have uh, a great
3: weekend. I have to interrupt you before we even get to this because of what you just said. So I drank water and ate healthy food during the Raiders game, which was the early game, which ended at 4 o'clock Eastern time. And I looked around. I'm like, I've got all this energy from winning. And I have no idea what to do with it because like it's four <laughs> o'clock on a Sunday. I clean my house top to bottom Ooh. during the late games. Like I mean I scrub toilets. Like my house looks pristine at this point. And I'm like, is this what people do when they don't get trashed during a game? I had no idea.
1: Well, I did that on Saturday. Oh I good still you. wanted to watch the games. And if I if I remember this correctly, some ridiculous number of the, of the later games were one score going into the yes. fourth. So I think it was 11 of 15. I don't know if that would have been the best time to clean. I think I would have kept my, kept my focus on, on the games. Oh, I had but,
3: the, the audio from the games going ah, everywhere, and I had the red it. zone on, on all the TVs. I was there good. There
1: you go. Look at you being, being productive, multitasking. Well, both of us had a good weekend, but some people didn't.
3: You thought
0: you had a bad weekend. Phil,
3: there is a tiger in the
0: bathroom. You ain't seen nothing yet.
1: I better get out of here while the getting's good.
0: It could have been worse on Spain and Fitz.
1: Yeah, some of these are just sort of the simple things that we can all recognize as just a real bad day at the office. One of them is Zach Wilson. And Fitz, I know a lot of people predicted this. We know what Bill Belichick does to rookie QBs. But you made this a point of emphasis last week that Zach Wilson was going to have a terrible, no good, awful day. And it was worse maybe than any of us even expected Four interceptions. And after the game, his head coach said, please, sir, just be a little bit more boring
6: when, when you have a rookie quarterback. And, you know, and they have a rookie quarterback, too. I mean, shoot, it's it's just having confidence that it's OK to play a boring game of football. You know, that that's that's really it. And he is he is an electric dude. He's competitive as crap. He's and uh, he wants to win so bad. But, you know, it's, sometimes it's OK to be boring. and uh, And that's probably the biggest lesson that we can take out of this one.
1: I feel like we need to clip off. Sometimes it's okay to be boring and just drop it into an interview if we get a bad guest. Does oh my mean? god, is that, that would be amazing. Too much. Or every one of uh, Belichick's
3: every one of Belichick's press there you conferences go. We just there you just play that on repeat. No, but I, I think there is a moment there where the coaching staff takes a little of the blame. You're right. Yeah. I thought Zach Wilson would get crushed in that game. But four interceptions, I mean, we talk all the time about what getting hit does to a young quarterback's confidence. What about a game like that? Like at some point the play callers have to save their young quarterback when they're getting their butt kicked. I was a little surprised they didn't do do anything and even in the first 15 plays that are so scripted there was nothing in there that was going to make Zach Wilson really comfortable so I was stunned by the entire game plan that didn't put him in a position to be successful
1: yeah it was just ugly start to finish and you you saw some better stuff in the second half but you just hope that it's not one of those that they regret later um you know putting him in in that position all right uh Speaking of being put in a position that's a no-win, the Vikings with a field goal to win it appears to be a no-win situation. Here's what it sounded like. Now, it's not just the Vikings who had a bad weekend. It's the guy on the call who thinks he sees the kick go in and then realizes it was wide right.
3: High snap,
7: put down. Joseph, come on!
3: It is good!
7: No, he missed it! Are you kidding me? He missed it right. He missed it right. right, Oh, my my heavens. Oh. oh, my. This, he missed a right.
1: Listen, Paul Allen, great voice, great call. You can't really blame him. I don't know if he had a good angle on it, but to hear the, ah, oh, no, he missed it, and then right back to his old regular voice, Uh, it was a wide right. I, it was I, a- I just keep thinking about how much
3: pride play-by-play people take in their work, and so many of them that I've talked to here and – how much work and emphasis goes into getting every nuance, right? That's going to eat him alive for years. Like He's going to be more cautious on field goal calls for the rest of his career because of that one.
1: Well, he tweeted out, I thought he made it. I didn't wait for the ref to signal no good. I always wait. Today I didn't and got burned. L on my behalf, no doubt. I wanted them to beat that team so badly. Oh, well. Yeah, I think the worst part of the call is when he goes, come on, right? He's trying to. He's trying to... Somehow will the Vikings to not lose a game that way, and yet not enough. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Monday night football is underway. Jared Goff with a touchdown pass. The Lions up now. The uh, PAT coming up, so they should be up 7-0 on the Packers early in that one. All right, moving on with could have been worse. Okay, we expected the Jags to be bad this year. That's not a surprise. But I don't know that I expected Urban Meyer to actually put out a note urging fans to be patient, to hang in there after their loss to the Broncos. He also uh, didn't really enjoy the line of questioning after the loss.
5: Out-coached. Oh, I don't know if we've been out-coached. We lost a game. That's a good question. I've been asked that question before. Um, We lost a game.
7: Trevor mentioned that the team doesn't feel like it's a talent issue, but now at 0-2, does,
5: does that make it a coaching issue? It's an us issue. Uh, we have to make some plays. We have to do a lot of things better as a team. And that includes, when I say team, it's always us. You know, the one thing I'll never do is take a player and do that or a coach and do that. But do we have to get better? We're on too. You, you made that point. And uh, we have to do we. When I say we, I'm talking about the whole team. It has to do a lot of better things.
1: Okay. first of all, nice attempted swagger on the I've never been asked if I got out coach before. No one's ever thought that I possibly could. Uh, But beyond that, the actual statement that they put out arm in arm players at the bottom graphic of a Jaguar. Then it says, hang in there with us. We're going to get better. The one thing about Jacksonville and the 904 go to sleep knowing there's not going to be any group working harder to get this thing flipped. That's embarrassing, two games into a season, fits. Uh, and not necessary.
3: And by the way, did you see where that Twitter conversation went from there? Because Atlanta, the, the Falcons tweeted out, we're not where we want to be, but there's plenty of football left to be played. Mm. To which the Jags quote tweeted, mm. hey, can I copy your homework? Yeah, fam, just switch it up a bit. <laughs> so the team that spent all day getting destroyed on social media for their Ooh. awful tweet doubled down yeah. on it like mm-hmm. the the amount of just absolute read the room the lack of ability to read the room in Jacksonville right now is stunning and you know I love Trevor Lawrence I want him to be successful but we've also both said I think time and time again here like I'm not sure Urban Meyer is the person to make him successful but I'm not sure anything that Jacksonville's doing right now is going to help anybody that's in that building
1: yeah I mean it's early and we knew this team was going to be bad like I said but That statement just reeks of desperation, especially knowing what we know and what we're hearing out of Jacksonville about Urban Meyer just not taking losses well, even in the preseason. Right. This is a guy who's used to playing massive college programs. you are not going to take hardly a single loss, if not one or two a year. And it's going to be a long slog. And he's going to have to deal with people talking about him leaving and taking the USC job or quitting at any time. And so I just I don't want to see a statement two games into a season urging us to hang in there. It would have been better though if they had a jaguar hanging from a tree like the hang in there poster, but it was a jag instead of a cat.
3: Oh, that would be now that that would be good. Got to be funny, like yeah, make
1: it ironic.
3: (laughs) There's a a moment there where you just you wonder what they're thinking and where the message comes from, and also as we've talked about with other teams, a lot of times we look at the social media department and we rip these the, the people that are posting this. But there are other people in the building that approve and decide on all of these things, too. So I just I wonder how out of touch the organization is to put themselves in this situation. And
1: it was his statement. It was Urban Meyer taking time to tell the people to hang in there, which leads me to believe that criticism is already getting to him in this situation. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, represented by Progressive Insurance. Go check out at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. You can vote on who you think had it the worst this weekend. We're going to narrow it down to Zach Wilson's four INTs, Paul Allen's goof on that missed Minnesota field goal call. NFL officials and college football officials together. College football officials screwed PSU. on a. They made him punt on third down. They also gave Memphis a TD basically on a bad call. Uh, And then Urban Myers hang in there. Uh, So let us know what you think was the worst. You can vote on that poll and we'll get those results later. Coming up little good take, hot take. People bloviating about week two in the NFL.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Welcome back to Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We just asked you to vote on who had it worse. And someone mentioned that I didn't pick Joe Burrow throwing three consecutive picks on three consecutive passes against my Bears defense. Look at me, look at me just, you know, thinking about the larger picture and not getting caught up in my own Bears bubble. We are going to get back to the Bears, though, later. Of course, we need to. It's train Fitz, Sarah Swayne, J. Spitz, Yes, and Raiders, presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together, so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Another Sunday of NFL in the books, which means a lot of takes. People taking takes Today. And the people making those takes are going to be told whether they were good or hot. Now.
0: Time to cut through the BS and rate the best takes of the day. Are, are they he good, good takes? takes? He would be the best quarterback in the history of New York to land. He or hot takes? Get the damn ball and let him decide. But that's not the Green Bay way. Find out now on Spain and Fitz.
1: Yeah, you just heard Steven A there. He had some things to say about Kyler Murray, who put together yet another incredibly exciting offensive performance. I was surprised that the Vikings kept it that close. I was not surprised that they lost in dramatic, heartbreaking fashion. But I was also surprised that Stephen A. was willing to go this far with his take on Kyler.
0: Russell Wilson can move the chains, and Russell Wilson can extend plays, and we get all of that. But but the threat that Kyler Murray is at running the football, this dude – is something to behold. And then when you take that into account and you look at the fact that you've got DeAndre Hopkins, of course, A.J. Green and others. I'm just looking at it. Christian Kirk. Let's not forget him. He's got, we- he's got weapons. He's got weapons. But he himself is a very, very lethal weapon. And I'm going to tell you right now, I can't sit up there and look at a Russell Wilson who I got mad love and respect for and say, even at this particular moment in time, at right now, at this moment, based off of these first two games, that, you know, moving forward this season, that I would take him over Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray has put us all on notice. It's a new day, and he
3: is coming.
1: Okay. You take uh, uh, Kyler uh, Murray over Russ. Good take or hot take?
3: That's a hot take. I mean... First and foremost, like I, I think what Stephen A is probably referring to there is mobility more than running. I mean, uh, if you look the last couple of games, Murray's uh, run five times in each of the last two games. He averaged six yards a rush uh, yesterday, averaged four yards a rush against Tennessee. That wasn't really the factor, but he's got great mobility behind the line of scrimmage to wait till his guys get open. But He's also got tremendous weapons. So, I mean, if we're just talking about ability, I, I don't know. I mean, Rondell Moore is a delight to throw the football to. And he might be the third or fourth best wide receiver on the Cardinals. So, I, you know, I, I think that we're underselling Russ. We're just too used to his greatness.
1: That's exactly how I feel. I, it's a hot take. It's not, you know, burn the building down. I, I could see where he's coming from. And I don't blame him for the excitement around Kyler Murray. But the guy hasn't won a Super Bowl. The guy hasn't been back to the postseason over and over again and been as incredible and effective as Russ yet. So uh, let's be excited about the future for Kyler, but not necessarily crown him just yet. Something not to be excited about is the number of quarterbacks that got injured this weekend, one of them Carson Wentz, who managed to somehow sprain both ankles on one play. Dan Orlovsky with an interesting take on Wentz, perhaps not listening to medical experts.
6: If you're hurt, I feel like you got to go back out there. You know, I, I just do. I've said this: your team gave up. This organization organization gave up a one and a three to go figure get it you. Figure it out, right? Kind of put their neck out a little bit on the line. You got to figure it out. It's a big game. There's two minutes left in the you game. Figure it out. It's basically a drive. If he's injured, I get it. Like if he's injured and there's more significant damage to it, I can understand that. But. Part of me wants you to go, I don't care what the doctors are saying. Yeah. I'm going back out on the
3: field.
1: Okay, I don't care what the doctors are saying. I'm going to take both of my sprained ankles back on the field. Good take or hot take? Oh, that's a hot
3: take. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't understand why we just want to question toughness so often. Like, do Do we really think, as a general football-watching society, That a quarterback like Carson Wentz that knows what he has on the line in this opportunity is going to step back and be like, "Yeah, but my ankle." Like he's not Peter Griffin. Like he's he's a quarterback in the NFL. Like he sprained both of his ankles. My God, what do we expect from him?
1: Yeah, I feel like the make it work. I just it works on Project Runway, uh, not so much with two sprained ankles. I get where they're going with it. I just don't think it's a realistic look at something like that. I don't think there's any opportunity to or reason to think that Wentz was sitting out and could have gone in, he would have been ineffective and it might've taken him out for even longer. And that's not good for that team either. It's Spain and Fitz. We're doing good. Take hot take, by the way, Shout-out to at underscore rallycap, who just hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed with some news from Spain and Fits Nation. And that news is that he did successfully Photoshop the head of Jackson DeVille, the Jags mascot, onto a hang-in-there baby cat poster, and I very much appreciate it. It is bringing me incredible joy. I have just retweeted it. All right, back to good take, hot take. Let's stick with Dan Orlovsky. He had this to say about Mac Jones and the Patriots, and I, I think it's an interesting way of looking at His stability and consistency... People
6: are going to be hard on Mac Jones because he's not doing the wow stuff. For me, it is the wow stuff. He's doing exactly what we often talk about young quarterbacks when it comes to, well, he's trying to, trying to throw the ball downfield too much. He's got to learn that windows are tighter in the NFL. He's got to learn when... A, Mac's already there. Now, is Mac Jones going to be able, three, four years from now, is going to be able to do the stuff that Zach or Trevor right. can? No. But right now, you, this is the reality. You are not going to beat New England... Because they give you a game.
1: This is a great take to me, Fitz, because I do think that there are people who are already wanting to get in the conversation of is Mac Jones the next Brady and what can we see from him? And this guy's more explosive and this guy's doing more. Guess what? He's doing what that team needs to win with a coach that can absolutely eviscerate the opposing team's quarterback, especially a young guy like Zach, you just got to get enough done that you're not making the mistakes that give them the game. And that's one of the most important things for rookie QB. And in the case of Mac Jones, I agree. Like this is, this is not a guy who's as so far going to lose a game for you.
3: Yeah. And I, this goes back to one of the things we said about Zach Wilson earlier too. Like, I've got to look at Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, and say, okay, what is he doing? He's finding the right play calls to protect his young quarterback while his young quarterback gets his feet under him. I mean, all of this makes a ton of sense as an organization. Hey, let's make sure that the things he does, that we ask him to do, he can do well, and when he's ready for more, we'll give him more. I I think it's really unfair to say that there's any indication of who Mac Jones will be in three years yet, because what we've seen so far is the amount of playbook they've given him, he's crushing. So, I'm all in on, I think it's a good take that we need to just like we just sit back and say, hey, this is this is working for Mac
1: Spain and Fitz Air Spain Jason Fitz guest join us on the Good year hotline. We're doing a little good take hot take as people react to week two in the NFL. Here's your guy and talking about your team, the Raiders, who, like I said earlier, I am pleasantly surprised for you that they are a two and o team, Paul Gutierrez talking about your Las Vegas Raiders
2: last year they were two and oh and they started out six and four and finished eight and eight, so." What's going to, I think, what's going to propel them is if the defense continues to play as well as it is, and if the offense actually gets a little bit improved, especially with the war of attrition on the offensive line. I mean, you've had literally three backups out there today, and they did the job. They got it done. What is the thing that could make it fall apart if that offensive line falls apart, and if Derek Carr cannot, uh, you know, put it all on his shoulders again because they could not run the ball at all today, and yet
5: he was still able to throw it?
3: Yeah, it's good take. Hot take. I think it's a good take. Uh, this is a much. I think it's a much <laughs> different team than it was last year. First of all, roster turnover. It's different people. Second, it's a different defensive coordinator, which has already paid huge dividends. I'm stunned by the difference in this defense year over year. But the biggest part that I think Paul really hit the nail on on the head with was the offensive line is banged up. But watch that game back, and you'll see that Derek Carr, after he hurt his ankle, he was in shotgun the rest of the game. He never went back behind center till the very end of the game. And in shotgun, he just took the ball, took the snap, threw the ball immediately like they they worked their whole offense even when Pittsburgh knew what was coming he outsmarted them I think Derek Carr is playing too well for this team to regress that way
1: hey speaking of do you guys have that Mina Kimes sound back there I wanted to save it for Fitz instead of listening to it earlier and she touches on a point today on NFL Live uh, just like that which is that this offense has the weapons to be creative and to use them and that's how they're going to take that next step forward here's what Mina said
8: not just the aggression but the distribution of targets i mean The touchdown to Ruggs, the 61-yard pass, to me, just stands out as such a difference from the previous year. Not only because uh, they're acknowledging Henry Ruggs exists, which is very nice for a (laughs) graphic that (laughs) high, Uh, but you see here why and how the Raiders' offense can shine specifically. It's not just the quality of the throw, and Derek Carr is a very good deep ball thrower, but on that particular play, the safety is cheating up towards Darren Waller. Mm. And Carr's got pressure in his face. He's got Hunter Renfro open. Yeah. Underneath. And he says, nah. Nah, no, I'm good. Nah, I'm good. I'm going to take the big chunk play. And this is why the Raiders are so dangerous because they have one of the better groups of skill players from running back to tight end to wide receiver mm-hmm. in the NFL. And similarly to the way we talked about the Chiefs, you can't defend all of them. Yeah. Yeah, Defenses right. are going to have to pick their poison. And what you saw right there on that play is if you pick Waller, we'll make you pay with Ruff.
3: She's a thousand percent right. That's a good take. It feels good right now. I'm not going to lie. She's right. It's not just two and oh, it's the way it's looked. Woo,
1: Woo! Yeah. Yeah. And I love that idea of the confidence to say, I'm not going to take this safety valve right here. I'm going to go for the big chunk and I'm going to hit this guy. And yeah, if they can use all those weapons and you can't focus on Waller. Oh, boy. That's going to be fun to watch. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Coming up, your responses to our poll. And a former starting QB said something today that made a lot of sense to me. We'll get into it next.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. People on the Twitter going crazy about the Manning brothers again. I'm very excited this week. I remembered to actually DVR... Their take. So I've got to figure out how I'm going to watch all of their game and the entire game with the regular Monday Night Football. I I don't know where I'm going to find the time, but I'm going to make it happen. I'm hearing good things. Speaking of hearing good things, you guys are chiming in on Spain and Fitz Nation, uh, hitting us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, asking or answering our poll that we asked about who had the worst weekend. And you chimed in with some people that we forgot, which uh, that's our bad. But we're going to stick with the ones we put up there. We had Zach Wilson's four interceptions versus New England. Paul Allen's goof on calling the missed Minnesota field goal good before correcting himself. Combination of the NFL officials' inconsistent taunting calls and the college football officials who, Fitz, you were explaining this one to me. They screwed Penn State and and they gave Memphis a touchdown somehow?
3: Yeah, so they messed up in the, the Penn State game and they just forgot it down. And even though James Franklin was yelling at him and even though the down marker was showing them what they did, they, they screwed it up and never fixed it. Penn State ended up having to punt, on what was third down because the officials were convinced it was fourth down, which didn't cost them the game. <laughs> that can't same can't be said for uh, Mississippi State taking on Memphis on a punt that uh, was returned for a touchdown. And the crazy thing is it looked like the punt was downed by the kicking team, but they said maybe it wasn't fully downed. However, you can see clearly in the replay the official waving his hands as he blows the whistle oh, no. to blow a dead. And they run it back. The SEC had the officiating crew. They actually put on an apology saying it might not have been down, but a replay should have found that the play was blown dead. And Memphis had two players on the field wearing a number four, which is a violation, (laughs) should have been a penalty for that too. And Memphis Uh. won the game by like four points. So that was a game-winning touchdown.
1: Oh, that explains why that is leading the way. We also had the Jags statement, just two games of the season. Urban Myers hang in there. And again, at Sarah Spain, you could find the perfect Photoshop of the Jags mascot on a cat hanging from a branch, hang in there. Uh, Leading the way, the officials, 36%. The taunting calls were so inconsistent, so unnecessary, taking the fun out of the game, affecting the outcomes of some games. Just not a surprise that officiating leading the way, then Zach Wilson with the four interceptions, then the Jags, ridiculous hang in there, and finally Paul Allen. Very good at his job, Paul Allen. I think everyone's going to forget that one quickly, but... Uh, You hate to hear it. And the angles on some of those, like he said, you got to just watch the official instead of the play. Uh, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We both had great weekends because our team won. We were just talking about the Raiders really looking like they're for real. The bears. eh, I'm still not sure. (laughs) It looked a lot better than last week. I feel very good that I chose them in my picks and I didn't have the embarrassing occasion like you have where you didn't believe in your team. And then they got the W I believed in my team. They won Yes, it was the Bengals. Yes, Joe Burrow did throw three straight picks on three straight passes, but that was the Bears' defense coming through. Andy Dalton got hurt. Justin Fields came in, and a lot of what I have been telling you that I've been hearing from the Bears was manifested in what we saw from him. Absolutely incredible athleticism, some really exciting passes, fearlessness, swagger, but also just not quite ready. Multiple false starts. He's got to get that snap down. He's got to get his his, – you know, relationship with that offensive line and how he's going to get the plays going. Um, You know, he's doing a good job calling out what he sees on the defense, but then it's throwing off the offensive linemen who aren't sure what his snap count is. That is just going to come with practice. So I feel good still about him being our guy. But I also understand what the Bears have been telling us all along, which is right now Andy Dalton, who's had multiple 4,000-yard seasons, who has over 100 starts, is a better choice right now even though we all know Justin Fields has a higher ceiling and eventually he'll be better. But he was thrust in there, and it made me concerned about picking up bad habits. And it's something that Alex Smith talked about on ESPN Daily today. I've really enjoyed Alex Smith's analysis since he joined ESPN, but he and Pablo Torre did a great job of breaking down the games. And he talked about what he saw, for instance, from Zach Wilson versus what he thinks is nothing to lose by giving Justin Fields more time.
7: There's not a real big downside from a guy being overprepared you know if, if you wait a little too long and Justin Fields comes in and kills it what what's the downside i mean there's not a huge downside so maybe you waited a few more games than you should have but if you, if you put a guy out there too soon um in a ba- into a bad situation uh maybe that he's not ready for i think you can you can do some damage and and i think the jets are thinking a little bit about that at this point that yeah Zach Wilson's this amazing talented kid and can do all these things and yeah, he can at his combine workout can roll out left and sling a ball back across the field like nobody. But playing in a game and doing it is a whole nother animal. And, you know, to play in two weeks and throw six picks, uh it's a big wake up call. And it's hard to keep your confidence. I think these young guys can can dig themselves a hole uh mentally that's really hard to get out of. Uh they can get a lot of scar tissue built up from making some of these mistakes. They're not they're not easy to always just forget.
3: That's such a brilliant point by Alex Smith. And by the way, I mean, I keep thinking back to Alex Smith and just the mentor that Alex Smith was in locker rooms. Like he can speak to the process for young quarterbacks developing because he's watched it happen, right? Like, we all know that about where Alex Smith has been. And, and I think about Fields particularly, and I was watching yesterday uh, because I knew how much the game mattered to you, and I wanted to see if he got in. And, and I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, man, there are these flashes where, he's, uh, where you see Justin Fields and you think this is the guy we watched at Ohio State. That's what he does. He's, he's phenomenal. And there were flashes where it looked like he had no idea what he was trying to do, where to go with the football, or what was happening around him. And then he was just going to try and rely on athleticism to save him in the moment. That just continues to sit in my head as all the more reason to be patient with the process of developing him because, frankly, if Andy Dalton is healthy enough to play, at the end of the day, all you're doing is letting fields get more comfortable. And and that's what I want to see. I want to see the kid have the chance to come out and be as successful as possible, which means you got to have enough, um, enough base knowledge to do that. And maybe the coaches are right in what they see every day at practice and they just don't think he's ready.
1: Yeah, I mean, to Alex Smith's point, you know, they're, they're, what, what can be lost by not starting him early enough is certainly if you lose a bunch of games with Andy Dalton that Justin Fields could have won you. But I I just don't think we're there based on what I've seen from Andy Dalton so far. Hasn't been exciting, hasn't been going deep, hasn't been rocking your socks off. But before he got hurt, was moving the ball down the field and was okay against the Rams, which is a very good team in ways that I don't know that Justin Fields would have been more effective, understanding that he has to read the defenses and get the ball out of there really quick with this offensive line. And he was one of the slowest quarterbacks during the preseason at getting the ball released, whereas Andy Dalton was the fastest of all the quarterbacks. It's those things that bother me when I hear people giving these takes. I don't disagree with the general premise that Justin Fields will be better and is more exciting and we want to get him some reps. But what I do agree with is the Bears' approach in saying right now – he does not give us the best chance to win. What I want them to do is be able to use Andy Dalton and then when they put Justin Fields and use his strengths, that's what I had a problem with in week one. Don't put Andy, don't put Justin Fields in there to, you know, hand the ball off unless you're gonna keep him in for another couple downs and then let him let him, you know, go deep or let him use his legs. I didn't like how they used him in week one. We saw some stuff yesterday and listen there's a couple plays including an Allen Robinson sure touchdown that he should have caught that would have changed some of the numbers that you look at after the game that looked pretty ugly I liked what I saw it also made me understand and repeat what I've been saying from the beginning which is I understand the Bears plan on this uh and now we'll see with Andy Dalton fits whether he comes back or Justin Fields will get some more looks but either way W's for both of us. W's. It's a win. W's for both it's of us. It's a Monday. Us.
3: It's Victory
0: Monday. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.